Hello there, you're listening to the Park Crush Podcast. This is a Theme Park Podcast. I'm Tom. Joining me, as ever, is Josh. Hello there. Hello there, Josh. How's it going? Very good, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Um, as we know, Josh, earlier this year, I was meant to have been at Disney World. Still oh. disappointing to me that that didn't go ahead. And so I feel like I've been, ever since then, trying to make up for lost time by... Uh, spending stupid amount, stupid amounts of money on things that I don't want or need, uh, just to make a huge sucker of myself, to be honest. And uh, given that, of course, the opportunity to give Disney loads of money for no real justifiable or practical reason passed me by this year, you know, buying things like pin badges and other silly merchandise that I should probably not buy but do every time I go, However, I'm delighted to announce, Josh, that finally, uh, what is it, five five months on from when I was meant to be at Disney, I finally um, uh, paid like a sucker and given Disney 20 English pounds to watch Mulan. <laughs> Tom. Don't talk to me like that. You know, I, I've got one disappointed dad. I don't need someone else doing an impression of one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed. Oh, it's like a dagger to the heart. Uh, yes, I watched I watched Mulan, sorry, Mulan. It's very much a Han, Han Solo kind of situation, I feel, with the naming of Mulan. Are you a Mulan or a Mulan? Mula, uh, Mulan as in I'll make a man. Ah, very out nice. Of you. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, well, they they made an all right Mulan out of this movie. I would suggest it's fine. No Eddie Murphy, no uh, musicals, right? It's uh, a proper film. It's a proper film. It's a proper film. It's um, it's kind of like you could describe it as my first fantasy war epic. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that it's got that kind of vibe to it. Lord of the Rings Junior. Yeah, Lord of the Rings Junior, exactly. Um, it's because uh, obviously, what Mulan was late nineties, the animated film, and is obviously yeah. inspired by Chinese folk folklore and Chinese legends and mythology. And this film kind of feels like it is also directly inspired by all of those things, rather than being inspired by that first movie. If that makes sense. So right, yeah. I don't know if you've watched the um, the behind the scenes of the Mandalorian show on Disney Plus, the Disney uh, Gallery. No, that is, that is uh, one that I need to watch still, unfortunately. Yeah, it's really good. It's really interesting. And, uh, you know, as much for just sort of the technical process of making the show as it is as a sort of Star Wars thing specifically, but one of the... Uh, things that has sort of stayed with me that is more specific to uh, specifically Star Wars is when John Favreau, who's kind of like the the head honcho on that show, says, "Oh, what we really wanted to make sure was that we were not inspired by Star Wars; we were inspired by the things that inspired Star Wars." And it feels kind of like that's the tack they took with Mulan. It's it's not it's not like a Lion King situation or an Aladdin situation or. Um, Beauty and the Beast, where they kind of feel like shot-for-shot shot remakes of the animated film, yeah, just live action, or in Lion King's case, CG. Uh, hey, live action, Tom. 
Sorry, yes. Uh, sorry. Yeah, th- those lions were exceptionally well trained. And <laughs> they they synced up the voice acting perfectly. I mean, maybe the lions actually spoke, Josh. We, they, yeah, we don't know. We, we don't know. I was not privy to the process of making the Lion King. Yeah. Um, uh, I think, but, yeah, I feel but, like that but, line uh, is particular. John Favreau line is particularly damning uh, of the sequels, the Star Wars sequels. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely felt like he was throwing some throwing some shade at uh, at those films for sure. But uh, but yeah, Mulan felt the the new Mulan felt kind of uh, separate and and distant a little bit from that first film. I mean, it is broadly the same story and obviously covers a lot of the same themes. But as you say, Josh, there's no Eddie Murphy, there's no Mushu, there are no songs. Uh, some of them get some uh, orche- sort of instrumental orchestral uh, conversions, uh, notably Reflection uh, comes up a couple times. But yes, it is by and large quite different. Uh, I must admit, I, 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 I'm, I mostly found it to be fine. It's like a three stars if ever I've seen one. But And it certainly looks amazing. Uh, it would have been nice to see it on a, on a cinema screen. But uh, I, I, at the same time, I guess I also was sat there for some of it thinking, I should watch that first Mulan again, Josh. That that was a Ooh. good film. I sometimes just play the soundtrack. I mean, the soundtrack is fantastic. And yeah. unfortunately, Donny Osmond is nowhere to be found in the new oh. movie. I know. It's a major disappointment. Yeah. But I was also just sort of, uh, you know, when, when we got to scenes that I remembered like new versions of scenes that I've remembered from the first film, uh, I was kind of constantly harking back to how the, how they were done in that first film and thinking, oh, it was better back then. Like the exaggerated way with which Mulan had to walk around the camp being like, yeah, I'm a man. <laughs> which doesn't really play in a serious war movie. I don't know if I'd pay 20 quid. I get the logic of, oh, if you take a family of four to the cinema, it's probably more than that. And it's like, yeah, that's true. But you're also getting the cinema experience. You know, you're not just going to watch the film. You're going to watch the film in this very specific way which you don't get at home. And some people don't like the cinema experience and they go to the cinema in spite of the cinema itself just because they want to see the film. Others go to the cinema not just to see the film but because they like going to the cinema. And I count myself as one of those people, so... Films sorry, were made for the big screen for the most part. Yes, I count myself lucky that we had a nice TV and a, a nice surround sound system uh, to, to at least um, give it some punch because it, it is a genuinely fantastic-looking film although it's you know grounded a little bit more in reality and has some really stunning uh, sweeping shots of the uh, the vistas of the chinese countryside um it also is still very colorful and really sort of pops and there's lots of uh, you know bright reds it's it's very striking in that way so yeah i i would absolutely give it a watch when it's on disney plus for everyone else which i think is december but uh, I, I would not necessarily uh, put the 20 quid down unless you've got, you know, kids chomping at the bit to watch it. And uh, I don't think anyone will be offended by the film unless you are unable, of course, to separate it from uh, the, the, perhaps the politics around uh, the production. Oh, and, uh, and, and China. Indeed, yes. All I'll say is that if there's a Mulan 2, uh, I assume that Mulan will be deployed to the streets of Hong Kong to quell 
<laughs> to quell uh, the latest threat to uh, to Chinese authority. I share my account with uh, some family members, so I've just got to hope that the kids don't somehow accidentally buy the film on my Disney Plus account. <laughs> uh, it's not... From what I could tell, actually, you cannot buy it in the app. You have to go to the website. Oh, okay. It's like disneyplus.com slash Mulan, and then you have to... Um, by default, it will ask you if you want to pay with whatever card you use to uh, sign up in the first place, but you can also use a different uh, right. card well, or PayPal or whatever. That might all change after the uh, Apple versus Epic debacle, I guess, because that'll be why you have to go to the website to pay for it, um, so that Apple I, well, doesn't get I guess, 30% but you, of the you, We couldn't buy it through the Disney Plus app on the TV. Oh, interesting. Okay. Which is not an Apple product. No, true. So I, I think it's probably just a, you know, security thing. that They may well have exactly the situation you just mentioned in mind. You know, don't want to make it too easy for kids to just click what TV on you, it. Is your, are you still got the Sony or is it something else? No, this was an LG. Okay. So, uh, yeah, otherwise, yeah, the Apple, uh, the Apple 30% row would have made sense otherwise. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a really good looking film. Uh, there was one part where she, uh, you know, the bit in the in the original film where they have to, uh, one of the trials they undertake is walking up that steep mountain hillside with the two buckets of water. I do, classic. And she gets to the top and looks out. Sorry, spoilers. She completes the trial and she's looking what? out on this vast countryside. And I almost, did, I almost expected a subtitle to come up saying, "Oh, you've she's discovered seventeen side quests and ninety four collectibles <laughs> in the region." <laughs> I kept thinking, like, I want to explore this place in a video game. This looks amazing. Uh, um, I, I was somewhat ex- would have uh, expected a little tagline saying, book your trip to China now. <laughs> yeah, it just starts playing some sort of stock joyful music. And <laughs> yeah, uh, you too can experience the adventure of Mulan. Visit China. Um, An Air China plane flies through yeah. the uh, vista. Exactly. Uh, so yes, that's uh, that's Mulan for you. It's out now on Disney Plus for twenty English pounds and I think thirty dollars in the US. Yeah, it is thirty dollars. So, yeah, I feel like they could have screwed us more. You know, you know, given how we often do get screwed by the exchange rate, I reckon they could have. There's a there's a there's there's a version of this where it plays out and it's twenty five quid. So, there's a version of this where it plays out and it's thirty quid. Yeah, actually, and they'd say, "Well, you know, it's um, you pay twenty five quid for a four K Blu-ray, and that's what we're providing here, essentially." Yeah, basically. Uh, Although you then have to always be subscribed to Disney Plus to watch it. I think that is the case. Yes, but you, it, it is you own it now. You don't. It's not a one-off payment, and uh, but obviously, like, as I say. Yeah. It comes to Disney Plus as part of the subscription in December. So essentially, you've got you've paid twenty quid to be able to watch it as many times as you like in two months or three yeah. months before it then becomes it's, free. It's like that. Um, was it Sky's buy and keep? Um, until fairly recently, it always like you you can buy it in Blu-ray quality and watch it and watch it on your Sky Box, and we'll also send you a DVD. It's like okay, so if I want to watch it as Blu-ray quality then i have to always be subscribed to sky that seems they like send a you a con. blu-ray now though 
Yes, they do, which is uh, nice of them at last. Mm. Well, uh, on the topic of watching stuff, uh, we thought what we'd do on this week's episode is, well, it's been another slow news week. We didn't necessarily, though, want to fill the void with another Thing Park video game review. Feels like we've done a few of those recently. And I, even though, I, Josh, I was chomping up the bit to do an hour-long special about Rollercoaster Tycoon 4 Mobile, <laughs> which I streamed on Twitch the other day. What, what, uh, what a game. Oh, what a game. What a, what game. a game. What a season. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, if you want to get to the end of this podcast faster, you can do so. You just need to spend... Uh, nine ninety nine to my personal PayPal account. Um, <laughs> if you give us twenty quid, the podcast will just stop, and you'll be even happier. But yes, uh, I I start I stream some Rollercoaster Tycoon Four Mobile, which is an iPad or an iOS, and I think Android game as well, uh, because basically the plan as part of our video game series is that um, we play Rollercoaster Tycoon Classic next. That's the next one on our list. It's a PC and Mac game. However, uh, my Mac can't run it because my Mac is too good to run old games now, Josh. Uh, Apple doesn't want to have people playing mere 32-bit games. So well, yeah. Back when, when we were playing the earlier games in our series, I had to like hack my way into those games, basically. Right, yeah. Um, but those games like were very parts, old, I mean... Yes. RCC Classic is not very old. It's like five years or something. Uh, but there is an iOS version. So I was going to get the iPad version and maybe stream that. But it's it's four ninety nine, which seems reasonable to me. But I thought, well, I'll, I, will, I will see if the streaming actually works before I buy the game that I'm buying to stream. So I streamed instead some Rollercoaster Tycoon 4 Mobile, which is a free Rollercoaster Tycoon game on iOS. And it's really terrible. And uh, it is the worst of all um, mobile game trends in terms of energy bars and multiple currencies you can spend money on. And just, oh, it was really bad. There is still an archive up for like the next 10, 10, 11 days on the twitch.tv slash parkrush page. And uh, yeah, maybe go and check that out if you have literally nothing else to do. Have you, you watched um, some of it, Josh. What did you think? Yeah, I did. Um, I thought that game looked like garbage. What makes you say that? <laughs> um, actually, uh, the roller coaster uh, custom building I thought was fine. That um, was all right. But kind of like obviously anything that you have to basically pay to win is kind of grim. Yes. Yes. Uh, and and the well, the roller coaster. Rollercoaster building was very limited by all these premium currencies because it was like, well, you can plop down as a limited amount of track and if you go over our uh, you know, random limit, you have to start paying, paying some hot gold. Uh, and also if you want to include any sort of special elements such as a loop or an S-bend or a corkscrew, uh, you have to pay some gold. And gold is a premium currency, which you do earn by is. playing, but not very much of it, because they always want to tempt you into spending some dollar. Yeah, get the best value at £99.99. £99. Exactly. You could watch, you could buy Mulan five times or get 
uh, a million gold in Rollercoaster Tycoon Four Mobile. I um I kind of I'm kind of curious now. Have you played uh, Rollercoaster Tycoon Touch? No, but that is on my that is, I did see that when I was looking for free uh, alternatives to stream. So I I was going to stream some of that as well at some point. Uh, in the not too yeah, distant future, and I and I didn't realise, but RCT three is available on iOS. It is yes, which is another, which is also four ninety nine. I don't know how, I don't know if that's literally the whole game, the full experience as you would expect on a PC. I don't know. I mean, I own that game on Mac. That that game does work on the uh, current version of Mac OS. They did update that, so I'm not um, as interested in getting the iPad version of that, see. but. With a new mobile-friendly to... UI, the creativity, depth, and sophistication of the classic P- PC game is all here with no in-app purchases. <laughs> this is what I don't understand because they obviously know it's a real big selling point that there's no in-app purchases and yet they have one, and I assume two, if touch is free, examples yes. of the worst kind of in-app purchasing. But it's kind of weird, right? So obviously Rollercoaster Tycoon 3 is... Not being sold by Atari, it's being sold by Frontier Developments, who obviously oh, made three and also has recently made Planet Coaster and all of their all of those games. Um, whereas Rollercoaster Tycoon Classic is being sold by Atari, right? Which is obviously you know one and two in one game. Yeah. Well, uh, please note this is Rollercoaster Tycoon Classic. Please note additional content for Rollercoaster Tycoon Classic is available via in-app purchases. Specifically, the three expansion packs, Wacky Worlds, Time Twist, and Toolkit. The expansion packs are the only content that, get, that require an in-app purchase, and in-app purchases are not used anywhere else in the game. So if you want the DLC on the mobile, you have to pay for that. It's only four ninety nine to get in, though, whereas I think on PC, Mac, you know, well, on Steam, I think it's 20 Um, Yeah, I mean, I've already bought it, so I can't, I don't think I'll be able to check, but... I might be wrong on that, but... Uh, I think it's, it's come down. I don't think it's that expensive anymore. Right. On Steam, but I could be wrong. Fair. Uh, but yes, in terms of our mainline series, that is the next game. But as I say, I will stream some RCT Touch just out of morbid curiosity uh, at some point. Maybe I'll do some later after recording. Who knows? Ooh, that'd be interesting. That, that wouldn't make sense because I've just plugged it, so I guess I kind of need to do it now after this podcast comes out. Yes. Which is yeah. tomorrow for Which us. Which is tomorrow being Sunday. Yes. Uh, yeah. We are still recording remotely, of course. We have not yet reconvened. I, I guess technically we can, but we're... Well, yes. My parents have just got back from Spain, so uh, they're technically in isolation. Oh, I see. Yes. So does that mean I... you're in isolation as well? Uh, no, because the rules are completely arbitrary and bullshit. <laughs> Right. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, I don't. So, I would not be yeah. surprised if eventually the policy becomes something along the lines of, "Oh, if you live with someone who's come back from Spain, you can go out on Tuesdays and Thursdays of alternate weeks during their quarantine period because of reasons." <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I. So I have to. I can basically go about my life as normal, but if. Either of my parents uh, start to show symptoms, I then have to isolate for seven days. Right. Well, yeah, that which, makes sense. Yeah, which is, you know, the. Uh, so I fall back on the other rules, the symptoms rules, not the uh, travel rules. 
Fair enough. Okay, well, uh, speaking of um, uh, the rules having become arbitrary and life kind of returning somewhat to normal, that was kind of the inspiration for today's episode, which was talking about theme park uh, TV shows and series that we watched during lockdown because lockdown is, well, it's all but over really, but it feels like this week especially so because, at least here in the UK, schools have gone back, universities are heading back in the next few weeks. Uh, more people, as a consequence, I'd imagine, will start going back to work. I'm certainly in the office a lot more than I have been recently. Uh, my sister, is uh, where she works, are being told, you know, we're going to start getting people back in the office. Uh, I don't know about you, Josh. Are you, are you primed? Uh, still no word. Um, oh. Well, Josh, think- how are we going to save Pret? If you don't go back to work, <laughs> uh, I wouldn't. You need be able to get to your ass on a anyway. train and go and spend nine pound on some carrots and hummus, my friend. I wouldn't say prep anyway because I didn't shop there in the first place because I thought you was all a bunch of suckers for shopping there. I agree. I agree. I had this very. I had a very pointed comment at dinner last night, which was basically: if you shop in prep, you either have more money than you need or you're an idiot. Yes. Yes. And I. Um, yeah, I let I let I let the family decide which one which camp they fell into. <laughs> I feel like there were two people with more money than they need and one idiot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's probably a fair shout. Um, <laughs> um, have I you seen to, this I deal that Pret are doing? Top. They're doing like a coffee subscription. Have you seen this? No. Yeah, and you pay. I think it's twenty pound a month. Right. And you get five coffees a day, which just goes to show how much of a rip-off that's a, coffee that's shop the, coffee is. Because that's such a good rate. You'd pay like between what? I th- I'd say, if you know, at the lower end of the scale, you know, a filter coffee, or if they even do that, I don't know. Let's say an Americano is probably the simplest thing they do. That's probably oh, like flat white, two, two quid maybe, two pound ten for a small one of those. And then it will probably scale up to, you know, high you know 380 something like that for say a large cappuccino and i assume that's where you know those are where the, the limits are i assume you can't get something fancier within this subscription you just get bigger you, right you know you'd only need to get you, you, if you've got five in a day and frankly if you if you're getting five coffees in a day then you've got stronger bowels than i have <laughs> but um that that almost covers that already. I guess the logic from their point of view is, oh, we'll tempt people in with cheap coffee and then hopefully they buy carrots and hummus for £9. Yeah, I guess so. Although who's um, mixing carrots, hummus and coffee? I don't know. Animals, mate. Animals. Freaks. Freaks and weirdos. The, uh, the biggest problem I have with these coffee places is that uh, most of them have brought up the price of a simple cup of tea to offset some of the cost of coffee, you know. Um, it's like, oh, well, coffee costs three quid, so you can't have a cup of tea for 60p because then no one will buy the coffee. So the, we've brought the price of the tea up so it forces people into buying coffee instead. Whereas you should just be able to go to a tea hut and buy tea for pennies rather than pounds, which is ridiculous. It's, it's a tea bag and some hot water. <laughs> yeah, and quite frankly, I mean... Your your mileage varies in these coffee shops to the extent that I f- I need to be pretty damn sure I like the coffee I'm getting served up. You know I, I'm not going to go into uh, a random coffee shop that maybe I haven't tried before and spend three pound on a coffee because 
I don't know. Bad coffee is real bad. Like bad. Like well, even. But maybe uh, maybe you'll be forced to. Some. I I don't know. Like I think the if we got rid of Pretz and Starbucks and Costas and whatever, and we went to uh, more traditional coffee shops, which you know actually took a bit of pride in the coffee they were creating, maybe. Um, <laughs> You would you would potentially get a better cup of coffee, maybe not a consistent cup of coffee, you know, throughout the country, but uh, you'll find better coffees out there. That's 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 not bad. Would that be something you'd run on as a uh, <laughs> for election? Uh, yes. <laughs> vote for me, vote for me for better coffee, but also <laughs> maybe some bad coffee. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, I, I feel like. I feel like Starbucks in um, Singapore is pretty good, actually. It's it's maybe it's a UK thing. Maybe they feel like they can get away with bad coffee here. Bad coffee. You can get away with bad coffee in America, I feel, because they love Starbucks. Yeah, um, they do. They do. But I guess they, that you know, that you don't necessarily go to Starbucks for a coffee in America. You're probably going for like something like a like a fancy cold brew or frappuccino or something guess, like that. I guess these days, yeah. But, yeah. um, in Singapore, Josh, that- they, if you get a pastry like a muffin, they warm it up for you, so it t- it's like it's fresh. Oh. Oh. Yeah, they don't even ask; they just like they just warm it up. It's great. Well, because they they can't ask because you don't speak their language. I mean, they, they they all just speak English, Josh. Oh, do they? Fair. <laughs> um, right. Well, we've been going for twenty-seven minutes. We haven't, t- <laughs> we haven't talked about. <laughs> We haven't talked about what we're here for. Uh, essentially, the logic behind talking about theme park TV shows was life's going back to normal. Maybe people now have less time to watch TV and binge stuff uh, as we have all been doing for the past few months. So we thought we'd reflect on some of the theme park shows and series that have helped us get through this period of lockdown. And there have been quite a few. And some we have spoken about uh, here and there before, um, but never really got into uh, in a serious way so maybe today was an opportunity for a bit of that but as we have already been going for half an hour maybe it will be slightly more ad-lib than I had imagined we'll just have to see how we get on uh, but Josh I guess we'll we'll start with the granddaddy of them all I would suggest and Ooh. something that I'm sure plenty of theme park fans have already indulged in and that is the Imagineering story yes on Disney Plus which Disney Plus. Uh, launched uh, week by week when Disney Plus launched in the US at the end of last year and then when Disney yep. Plus launched here in March again it was a week by week thing they were holding it back as they did with The Mandalorian which was quite frustrating but oh well because I, I really to, enjoyed uh, it yeah and, to get people uh, over that free uh, week's uh, trial wasn't it yeah I mean with Mandalorian as cynical as it is I could at least kind of be like yeah I guess plenty of people are going to be signing up just for The Mandalorian but I thought the Imagineering story would be niche enough that they would just put it all out at once You'd hope, but I guess not. Uh, But you're a bit ahead of me on this, Josh, because through means that we will not discuss, you were able to watch the Imagineering story before the launch of Disney Plus in the UK. Yes, I uh, I was watching it at the uh, US rate. I I guess you'd say so. It's been almost a year since I've watched it. Wow. Well, I mean, looking back, what are your thoughts on the Imagineering story? Is it? I mean, I, I seem to remember you saying at the time that you were surprised at how self-critical it could be at times and and maybe wasn't just a disney pr piece which as we'll get to that's very much how i feel about one day at disney 
Uh, yeah, I, I think so. You know, there's certainly the kind of middle era, so not the Walt era, not the current era, but the sort of middle era uh, where you have, uh, you know, after Walt's gone, uh, you have some failings and you have Michael Eisner come in and Frank Wells come in um, and there's some mistakes in that period as well. Uh, I feel like that middle section was particularly um, quite crit- like heavily critical co- considering this is a Disney show on a Disney platform. Um, you know, I'm not, you know, they're not sitting there going, Disney's the worst thing ever, obviously, but, um, yeah, fairly critical for a, for a Disney show. Yes, it was definitely sort of the Eisner era where they started getting a little more critical, but I, and Eisner is on the show, he gets interviewed as part of it. Um, yeah, uh, in the office in, uh, Pompey. Yeah, uh, exactly. That's still very weird to me. Uh, but it does start obviously back in the um, planning stages of Disneyland, the original Disneyland in California, and and Walt's vision behind that. And I guess that it just does a really good job at showcasing how this guy was such a visionary, but also a bit mental. And how if he tried to, if there was a Walt of today, you'd probably struggle even more in some sense to get it off the ground because I feel like the amount of money that's involved in projects such as these you have to be even more confident that it's going to pay off than back then when he was just sort of bankrolling the whole thing himself yes um, it feels you, like you have to be it, a a sort of a py jabot sort of character <laughs> exactly yes <laughs> you got to get the london resort referenced in any way we possibly can <laughs> every week i feel like they've done us dirty on the on twitter they've been retweeting other um, people who have done articles on them, but not us. Uh, I know, right? I feel like shocking. We're, we're the ultras. We're the yeah. lifeblood of this. You know, we, we were doing this before it was cool. Exactly. Exactly. It's still not cool, by the way. <laughs> oh. We are not cool people. I'm just putting it out there. I'm sorry. Oh. I'm sorry if this podcast has given you an elevated opinion of yourself. It's time to bring that back down. <laughs> I thought I was the coolest man going. I thought I was, uh, you know, George uh, Clooney sort of levels. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think ah. so. No. What's George Clooney coffee like? Do you like that? What's the coffee that he... Um, Nespresso. 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 Uh, yeah. my, my parents actually own a Nespresso. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. They. Uh, so there's like two levels. Oh, there's. There's like, I think there's three levels, but... There's two levels of coffee and multiple levels of uh, coffee machine. They have the middle tier coffee machine, but that uses the higher tier of coffee, I think. <laughs> uh, it's really convoluted. Right. Um, and it's quite... The machine's really cool. That's the thing that I'm in it for, the, the machinery. I don't drink coffee. Uh, but you have to buy these pods, and the pods aren't cheap. But um, what is quite cool is they give you uh, bags... And you put the pods in the bags, and then you take the bags to the shop, and they recycle the pods for you. Is it like the printer of coffee machines? Like the coffee machine's quite cheap, and then the ink slash coffee pods are really expensive. <laughs> the the uh, the machine is not cheap either. Oh, okay, okay, fine. Um, yeah. How did we get onto this? Uh, <laughs> I don't know how we circled back round to coffee. I don't know. <laughs> it's always uh, there. 
Yeah, uh, but I, I think what's what's really great about the Imagineering story is that each episode is an hour plus. So it goes into quite a decent amount of depth on each topic that it covers over the course of its six episodes. And to be honest, I think, especially in the early going, it's really appreciated because you have a whole first episode dedicated to kind of Walt's vision and the uh, trials and tribulations that he faced getting the first park off the ground. Then you have a second episode which is very much focused on Walt's death and the kind of aftermath of that Um and how the Imagineers, who Walt obviously had massive faith and trust and confidence in, were kind of less to kind of pick up the baton, I suppose. And, and I guess one of the running themes throughout the show, actually, is how the Imagineers are in a kind of back and forth with whoever's leading the uh, running the show at the time to sort of mm. prove their worth and kind of almost have to reprove themselves. And those that place less stock in them are the ones that ultimately come unstuck. And I suppose Eisner, in a, in a sense, fell into that camp because, I don't know, the Eisner era kind of felt weird to me and it's maybe the most interesting part of the documentary because it felt like yeah. at the start he was maybe exactly what they needed after like some years of penny pinching and he had these big grand plans. But then I guess he kind of overstretched and it got to a point well, where the parks yeah. that he had put a, a, a big, um, you know, he'd front-loaded a lot of money into, like... Uh, Paris and studios and California Adventure, um, you 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 have to. It's that kind of go big or go home. You know, they they went for the parks, and then didn't invest fully enough for them to be of the standard that people had come to expect. So it's a bit of a double-edged yeah, sword for him. There's definitely so obviously once Walt and uh, Roy are kind of out of the picture, you got the the guys that <laughs> basically aren't ever mentioned in the history of Disney um, that kind of took over and were penny pinchers a lot uh and then eisen and wells came in i think that's a really great partnership of the eisen and wells you had that similar because that's kind of what you had in walt and roy back in the day you had walt who was the ideas man and you had roy who was the money man and they worked together to get things done you know walt would have these great plans and roy would go well i gotta try and figure out where i can get the money from somewhere and mm. figure it out that way and i feel like you had that with eisner and wells as well um, and then when Wells died, Eisner had to then do the whole lot. Uh, and that's when Eisner's kind of outlook kind of changed on how to run the parks and that sort of thing. And that's when the kind of penny pinching came in. Um, and that's where you see, you know, corners cut maybe or um, things not implemented as grand as they were originally planned. Uh, as you can see in you know, California Adventure and, and Hollywood Studios. Um and ultimately, that led to the uh, downfall of Eisner in a way, and also, but also, in a sense, made the Universal Parks what they are today as well, which is quite interesting. Because all the Imagineers then buggered off over to uh, Universal to become uh, engineers over there. Yeah, you kind of want uh, you kind of want a, a companion series to this about Universal Studios, and then they intertwine like the Avengers of theme park documentaries. Yeah, because well, I obviously think everyone. So um, go ahead. There's an interesting bit where back when because Eisner was at, uh, head of Paramount. Yeah, and was like, in a meeting about Universal, right in Florida. Yeah, and meeting about Florida and how they were going to have this tram tour in Florida and. Blah 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 blah, and, that, and then he went to Disney and decided to create MGM Studios, which had the tram tour and was a yeah. film studio. So um, I wonder where you got that idea from. Yeah. Um. And then you know, I guess I mean, I guess this is um, 
I, th- I think in the latter part of the series is where it becomes a little bit less interesting to me because you get up to piece. the yeah, then it becomes a real puff piece. It becomes the Bob Iger show, which mm. is very much what one day at Disney felt like. And I think the last episode of this of the Imagineering story in particular felt a bit gross to me because um, well, it's kind of what a three pronged assault, isn't it? You've got Avatar, Star Wars, and Shanghai. Yes, and. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll be I'll be careful. I I will talk around the subject, um, but you know, some of the kind of moddy coddling that went on and that you see firsthand in the show of how that China part got made and uh, the relationship that needed to be fostered between Disney and the government to get that park made and off the ground and talk, clearly an incredible feat of imagineering. But yeah, I found it quite uncomfortable and distasteful to watch <laughs> to be honest yeah i think the park looks amazing like the gardens that they've got going on and oh yeah i'm part of the problem the, i want to go at some in. point <laughs> yeah um and i kind of want to see hong kong as well or hong kong disney as well obviously um even though it's going through some major changes um it, yeah yeah it is what it is right i think what was interesting was the the tokyo uh, parts as well. I think they were awesome. Oh yes, yes. There is uh, some a good chunk of time dedicated to how those came about, and how Disney very much had to sort of um, trust uh, going into partnership essentially to get those parks off the ground, and how they were really embraced by the Japanese. And yeah, oh yeah. Um, and and then they had the earthquake, and how you know they reopened the park, and there was this coming together of the the. You know, Disney and the people to like as a sort of celebration of it being over sort of thing it was kind of it was really nice yeah and uh, not to go over old ground but we should have been there Josh oh. in March we were going to go <sighs> oh, one oh day. well one day one day we will make it we will make it uh, so yeah um, Imagineering Story I have to imagine if you're listening to this you've already seen it but if for some reason you haven't it, it is worth watching it is really fascinating it, it is uh, like I say, I think of these yeah, sort of I think shows yeah I would say so I, I do think that it comes off the rails a little bit at the end um, but it is what it is and I guess on that same note just briefly on one day at Disney uh, so you have watched some of this Josh but not all of it yeah I've watched the uh from the uh, feature length episode, right? Yeah, um, and a couple of the, and I guess some of the earlier ep- uh, one um, kind of the mini shorts. episodes. The shorts are in that. I think feel like or some of the yeah. The, the feature anyway. length is just about five or six of the shorts stitched together. Yeah, That's literally all it is. So, yes, that is what I've watched. Yeah, I mean, essentially, these are just little. The shorts are you know five six minute. Um, little pieces on a person who works somewhere within the Disney company talks about their kind of journey to get to getting where they are and what they do and it feels very much like the kind of thing you'd watch uh, or that would be on the TVs in the uh, lobby if you were going for an interview at Disney or in your welcome pack if you got the job it felt it feels very puff PC and corporate and uh, I wasn't I like some of the people they focus on are genuine enough to kind of shine through and make you forget or, or be okay with the fact that it's very puff PC. Yeah. I think uh, it's others the, aren't. 
Like there's a whole episode the, dedicated to Bob Iger, and it's like, get the hell out of here. It, the, the even the description of the episode is uh, very like, oh my god, I can't believe it's Bob Iger. It's uh, the CEO of Disney yeah. himself, Bob Iger. Like, what? Not Bob Iger. <laughs> Talks about well, what came before he rose to the leader he is today. What's one day at Disney Bob Chapek going to be like? Oh. It's going to be about how his about his never-ending quest to defeat Superman. <laughs> uh, so yeah, with one day at Disney, I guess my my suggestion for that would be just to to scroll through the shorts that are on Disney Plus. There are now forty of them, with more to come, I believe. And just yes. pick pick out the ones that are about people that work at the theme parks. I would say I, I think generally speaking, the the people that work at these theme parks are very underappreciated and. Uh, not treated as well as maybe they should be and not paid as well as they should be. So uh, any way you can kind of shine a light on them is appreciated. I mean, you could, I mean, it's part of the problem in a way, isn't it? Disney almost take advantage of them for things like this to make it look like, oh, isn't it great? It's like that creepy video they put out when Walt Disney World was reopening and people put, someone put the audio from the Us trailer over the top. Oh, it was God, yeah. It was, um, it was some really good, I'm there's some really interesting episodes in here. You know, you've got uh, candy makers and ride engineers. Um, the guy who drives the steam train around Disneyland. Yeah. Uh, you've got, like... Uh, but then you've also got, like... Because, obviously, Disney is massive, so you've got, like, ABC, which does news and stuff. So you've got the helicopter reporter. Yeah. It's kind of, uh, like, all over the place. Uh, a couple that I... The candy maker one's really good, actually. Uh I enjoyed that one. And another one I would recommend is uh, episode 17 with uh, R&D Imagineer Morgan Pope who talks you through uh, aerial robotics. And I think a clip from that went viral uh, at the end of yeah. last year and, and everyone was looking at that and thinking, oh, that's that looks like Spider-Man. Um, it probably did look like Spider-Man. So like the of that it. one is very cool. That is kind of awe-inspiring to watch that. And they're all six, seven minutes, so... Uh, they're quite good if you like on the exercise bike or something you can knock about five out and your ride's done before you know it um, I'll have to watch a lot of them got a lot of them to watch yeah looking forward like to it, it. Uh, so the final uh, Disney Plus show is one that we, we have spoken about a little bit over the last few weeks Josh because you have been watching it it's this Disney weddings thing yeah Disney weddings which you've been enjoying uh, uh, yeah yeah what, had you finished it as of last week or had you got more to go of the first season uh, uh, I'd finished the first season um, right yeah I've got the second season to go the second season is like eight episodes I think uh, nine episodes in the second season give us the broad strokes then for people who uh, haven't tuned in or maybe they have and we'll just cover a bit of old ground but what's sure. it all about why do you um, like it so much people with far too much money and are far too Disney obsessed people that shop in uh, Pret is what I'm hearing yes <laughs> Pret shoppers, Pret, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, feel like they would like to get married at Disney, um, and so shell out a ridiculous amount of money to uh, get it to happen, basically. Mm. Um, and obviously, Disney provides this service, um, and the show is kind of an insight into that. Not super detailed. Um, it's very much. It's definitely not geared to, um, I guess. You know, the people that were watching the Imagineering story or One Day at Disney, it's very much tailored to the people that watch uh, 90 Day Fiance or um, 
you know, don't tell the bride or things like that. I don't know. Um, the bachelorette, bachelor, bachelorette, maybe. Uh, who knows? Um, I haven't watched any of those shows, so I'm just going based on the name. I don't believe you. <laughs> um, but they are. There's some interesting elements to it, like where you can get, uh, you know, where in the parks you can get married and what sort of stuff that uh, they can do for you. Um, so, like in one episode, they get uh, the ice hockey world championship trophy um they get um the uh, i can never what's her name again uh olivia newton john turns up to one of the weddings oh yeah um apparently some big country and western singer turns up at one of them um you know and these people are getting married outside the castle or the tree of life at animal kingdom uh things like that the interesting thing is they don't mention the times but i've looked up you know Obviously, you have to do it outside of park hours. So these people get married at like five in the morning or midnight. <laughs> yeah. um, and yeah. It's bizarre, but kind of cool. Uh, and that's on Disney Plus as well. Sure is. And there's a second season. Have you have you have you had a, a, a glimpse at some of the ground that is covered in series two? Um, there's sort of some under there's like an underwater proposal. There's uh, one gets married at uh, Pandora. Uh, oh, that'd be nice. Yeah, um, and you know one of them. Apparently, Jason Derulo turns up to one of them. Right, of course. Which is probably the biggest biggest name, maybe. Uh, if you could pick a Disney star to officiate your wedding, who would it be? Um, War Machine. <laughs> no. Uh, that's oh yeah, so it can be like episode. a literal character, a fictional or, character, or it can be a you know an actor like um, I don't know um, Tom Hanks, Michael Eisner. Michael <laughs> <laughs> uh, At the start of the wedding, it would start real strong, and then by the end, you'd realise you'd cut loads of corners, and the food <laughs> afterwards is crap. Just. <laughs> Mini sausage rolls from Costco. It's all, it's all supplied by Starbucks. Yeah, exactly. Um, right. Well, that's that then. And uh, moving on, another 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 show you've been watching this week, Josh. You've been you've been yeah you've been keeping busy with theme park shows. And this one is a good old fashioned UK uh, TV channel five, and I assume on <laughs> demand. And it's uh, uh, yes. all about Legoland. Is this the imagineering story of Legoland Windsor? Um, not quite, but um, oh. it's inside Legoland, a world of wonder. I guess it's a, a sort of cross between the imagineering story and uh, One Day at Disney, I guess you could say. Um, right, okay. It's, it's, uh, I guess it was probably filmed uh, last year, maybe, or um, mm. very early this year um, before the pandemic. Uh, and it's four episodes long. It aired in August, so it should still be on f- uh, whatever five on demand is called these days. Um, and in each episode, they f- they follow different people. Um, and obviously, it's set at Legoland, so you have uh, people that work in the model workshop building the cities and the uh, and the big figures. Um, and it follows um, housekeeping and uh, some of the mechanics and engineers um, and some of the sort of uh, events people as well 
So you kind of get an oversight of kind of everything that goes on. It's really it's, and uh, it's kind of cool. Like so, the pirate ship ride, the you know the rocking pirate ship that everyone knows and loves from parks across the world, um, breaks down and they have to replace the gearbox. Um, and so they have to go under the ride and actually like get this gearbox out and replace it. And the cameraman goes underneath with them to watch them try and get this gearbox out of this ride. It's kind of <laughs> kind of mad um and yeah like uh all of the figures like even the big structures you know the dragon or whatever they're all made of actual lego so right. you know if something breaks they have to fix it you know um and things like that and there's also a new land added during this uh called duplo valley um which probably sums up when it was recorded um uh, is it the end of the Lego Movie 1 or 2 where the Duplos turn up? We are from Duplo and we're here to destroy you. Um, Which one is that? That's the first one, right? Yeah. And then they're in the second one. It's like a cliffhanger ending. I can't remember. The second one's the one with the Batman song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 I'm trying to see where we got Brick Brickfield's Duplo Valley. Mm. Now that sounds cool, though. I mean, I guess on a similar in a similar vein, aren't, aren't? I mean, quite often they do. Is it Good Morning Britain or This Morning has done filming previously at some of the other UK parks, like Thorpe Park yep. and Alton Towers. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, how um, in depth does that tend to be? Are you familiar much with that? Um, so there's been t- there's been shows at these parks as well, much like this one. Um, so it's always they're always kind of doing it uh and they're pretty they're pretty they're as in depth as this one so you have you know you see like people that run rides and have to manage you know customer support customer service and that that sort of thing um so you do get an into you know kind of a flavor of everything that kind of goes on in the park um actually you know when i was at alton towers this year somewhat that they they had a tv crew there so um looks like they might be covering you know something to do with maybe the running a theme park in the pandemic maybe right yeah that would be interesting yeah uh, yeah I, I wonder i wonder actually you know if there will ever be an imagineering story too and i guess you know the way the imagineering story one was structured was you know but was was in order you know of you know it, it had a timeline to it and it came right up to basically the present and it would be you know i guess by that logic you would expect a season two if there ever was one to be some years away because they'd want enough years to have gone by to fill the gap but I guess if they maybe I guess as I said earlier the first one kind of had a something of a theme to it which was uh, you know the executives that placed the most trust in the Imagineers uh, are the ones that, that end up you know getting the most done and, and being the most well thought of whether a second season yeah. they would have to come up with a consistent theme to 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 do that but yeah i, I yeah, think like post pandemic theme parks is on paper a pretty fascinating documentary topic yeah i'm actually kind of i kind of want an imaginary story of the uk of well i say the uk the kind of merlin entertainment theme parks in the uk because they've got kind of a interesting and storied history with you know yeah. different you know, with breaking records and uh, that sort of thing yeah i mean it's what it is worth noting that you know you can find a lot of 
incredibly well produced essentially documentaries about theme parks uh the biggest and the smallest from all over the world on the internet i mean people's you know the talents of people on youtube these days are quite extraordinary and uh, i mean one i particularly wanted to flag was theme park history which does dabble more in kind of the 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 a-list parks and attractions that you're probably familiar with uh and so I, I have found that to be really fascinating as someone who has the most reverence for, you know, the Florida parks in particular. But there are some that are, you know, get far more niche. I mean, you, you watched one the other week, Josh, about uh, was it kind of how Port Ventura was you know, could once have been a universal Europe. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, it's actually interesting because um, the. Uh, created my own nemesis by John Wardley book also discusses that same topic so it's kind of intertwining because uh, yeah it could have been universal at one point uh, Anheuser-Busch had a stake at one point in that park um, you know they brought in uh, at the time Two Swords Group um, and John Wardley to, also had a stake in that park so it's uh, that's yeah it's got that's got quite a storied history by itself that one park yeah, and that, that channel is Expedition Theme Park that did that particular video. Yes. Uh, it's quite similar, actually. Theme Park History, they, they both, uh, you know, put out similar sorts of uh, of documentaries. But as I say, I feel like the Theme Park History is a bit more focused on kind of the, the A-listers of the industry. Uh, but, yeah, but both um, are really great and really well produced. So if you're not familiar with them, I would highly recommend seeking them out. A- Actually, two more that I would I'd mention as well is uh, Yesterworld um, oh, yeah. and Defunct Land. Uh-huh. They they both do kind of stuff that, uh, predominantly stuff that no longer exists, you know, has, has shut up shop, for example, um, which is really interesting. Um, so I did, uh, so Yesterworld, I watched one the other day about uh, kind of the history of all of the um, kind of icons of the parks, like the big hat, or um, the uh, at Hollywood Studios, or the hand and the wand at Epcot, and sort of what happened to them afterwards. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, that sounds cool. And one other, actually, on a similar vein, uh, Alicia Stella, who's been on the show before of the Park Stop podcast, has quite recently started a new series. I think there's only been two episodes on her YouTube channel, which is Theme Park Stop, um, called Unbuilt Disney, which has been really interesting so far. She did one episode about kind of the original vision for New Fantasyland at Magic Kingdom. Uh, and then she uh, also just recently put one out on uh, Galaxy's Edge and some of the original ideas and plans for that that didn't come to fruition either. Um, and and it's quite, <laughs> in a way, it's quite tragic to watch because it, it's a lot of stuff that would have made that land feel. I, th- I mean, I haven't been yet, obviously. And I'm sure I'm going to really like it when I eventually do. But stuff that would have made that land feel all the more alive, you know, droids roaming around and that kind of thing. I, I think a lot of a lot of people, to them, the stuff they like most about Galaxy's Edge is the like roaming stormtroopers and roaming Ray and Chewie and stuff like that. Just that makes the place feel a bit more alive because over the years, those kinds of character interactions and experiences have kind of fallen away from the other parks, and they're now all very. Um, you know, organised and structured. And, oh, you meet Mickey at this very set time in this very specific tent. He's not going to just wander around and bump into you anymore like he used to. Um, You know, some of my favourite memories of theme parks are when I was younger and you would literally just stumble across characters who were roaming around. 
Uh, yeah, Animal so Kingdom was particularly good for that. I remember an, a, a particularly good encounter with King Louis. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess you, you still get a little bit of that. Uh, you, Animal Kingdom, you have a couple of them that are now, well, not now, obviously, but that wander around a little bit, but it's kind of a lot rarer, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, the queues didn't, like, obviously you did get small queues of people uh, waiting to see the uh, celeb- the, the characters, but you can uh, call them celebrities. Like the They're celebrities to me. Yeah, celebrities. Uh, now the queues seem to be kind of ridiculous. Yeah, definitely. Um, even you know, uh, if you 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 know, uh, was it Buzz and Woody are kind of outside, right? Uh, in Toy Story Land, and you have to queue up for ages to see them. Yeah, it's it's mental. It's too much. It, it's really crazy. I mean. I guess the logic is that it, it gets the crowd split up and spaced out and, you know, limits queues for, for traditional attractions and rides. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think you, you do lose something uh, when they're not um, just allowed to roam the place. I mean, maybe that's something they can get back to while they've still got kind of limited capacity because there's just more space to move around. Yeah, uh, maybe. And you don't, you don't have to have them in these set locations anymore. I don't know. Um, but they're not doing cast interactions right now, are they? They're, so you have to... They're sort of in um, areas where you can see them, but you can't yeah. get to them. Yeah, uh, I saw like King it, Julian yeah. has started cropping up in the Lost Continent and Islands of Adventure. Have you seen this? Uh, no, I haven't. Yeah, King Julian from Madagascar now has a spot in oh, the uh, Lost Continent. Okay, sure, yeah. why not? Why not, um, exactly. I don't know if you've seen, but at Animal Kingdom, the uh, characters are on boats going around the river, uh, kind oh, of having a little party. Cool. So they've got music playing and they're dancing around, and you can see them from the bridges and stuff, which yeah, is quite cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, and at like Epcot, there's, there's obviously like these gardens and stuff, so they all like appear on the grass. But obviously, you can't get to, on to the grass to see them either, um, and things like that. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I think we've provided plenty of recommendations there, Josh, for uh, TV shows and documentaries that we have watched <laughs> yeah. during lockdown that if, if people out there haven't uh, experienced them before, um, plenty to recommend there from the kind of the big hitters on Disney Plus to uh, you know some of our favourite theme park YouTubers. There is no shortage of it. There's never been a better time to like theme parks, Josh. <laughs> I mean, that might not be true because chances are you can't go to a theme park right now or maybe don't want yeah. to. But there's never yeah. been a better time, Josh, to like theme parks and be stuck at, stuck indoors. Or to I'm be stuck indoors if you like theme parks. I'm still contemplating just booking two weeks off and going and driving to Germany to go to the theme parks. I, I, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be up for that. That sounds great. Uh, I, I was actually looking tentatively at... Um, exactly how much they're charging for Disneyland Paris right now. Uh, yeah, I guess it, the it, problem with it, Paris is that you have to, over here at least, you have to uh, two weeks of sitting at home doing nothing, which isn't necessarily so bad, but... Um, no. Uh, it seems to me like it's... it's They're all... All the accommodation that is currently open is, is cheaper than it would be, but the cheapest of the accommodation, i.e. where we stayed last time, David Crockett Ranch, has not yet reopened, so... That's kind of understandable, I think. Yeah. Uh, but maybe um, one to keep an eye on. Um, I would like to go back there at some point. And, uh, it's interesting. 
Um, if you drive to Germany and go to the parks in Germany and don't leave your car in France, you don't have to self-isolate when you get back. Okay, so if you stay in the car at all times when you're in France? Yes. Okay. I mean, that might be a bit of a struggle. You're under uh, a strong bladder. Yeah, I mean, if you you just go when you're at the Eurotunnel entrance in the UK and then... Uh, no snacking in the car. Basically, you find the quickest route to, to Germany, right? That's, uh, <laughs> that's yes. kind of the, the trick there. It's not that far, I don't think. So what what would your plan be? You would do Europa Park, Fantasia Land. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, what what uh, There must be some others, right? I don't know. And I think those are the two big ones in Germany. I mean, Europa Park is obviously the the big one. Uh, Fantasia yeah. Land, I think, is very well thought of. It has some great rides. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I don't know really beyond those two. In I don't actually know what other countries are um, in Europe on <laughs> on the list or not on the list. So, oh, the quarantine is, is, list, you mean? Is is Belgium? Are you allowed in Belgium? I don't know. I think you're allowed in Belgium. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you are. I I don't know, but I think I Cl- haven't. Luxembourg? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Do they have theme parks? No, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. Uh, but Germany, I think yeah, Germany for now at least you're definitely safe. So yeah, maybe one worth uh, going for while you still can. Uh, I think that's going to do it, Josh, unless you've got anything else. No, that's uh, that's pretty much it. Great. Um, no emails this week, I assume. No. No emails. Well, if you'd like to email us, uh, we'd love to read them out on the show, and you can get in touch, podcast at parkrush.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at parkrushpodcast. You can find every episode at parkrush.com or on your preferred podcasting app and as mentioned earlier you can find us on twitch twitch.tv slash park rush we'll have a couple more streams coming up in the next week certainly of roller coaster tycoon 4 mobile sorry no that's one i've already done i mean roller coaster tycoon touch that's what i meant and possibly roller coaster tycoon classic as well because that may be well that may be something we end up talking about on next week's podcast depending on the news agenda uh, but thanks for listening this week it's been a long one but i've enjoyed it it's been an interesting one and uh, take it easy out there everybody and we'll see you next time goodbye goodbye